Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is the unofficial 40 podcast right here on Soonerscoop.com podcast, where it's a little bit different today. Uh, Josh is out. He's got uh, some personal stuff. I don't know. You never want to. He's got some stuff. He's uh, gonna be down in San practice. Antonio. Yeah, he's, uh, he's got right that, and he's got some uh, other stuff going on. So um, he will be out today, but uh, it allows us, as you heard Bob interrupt there, uh, allows us to have everybody on the pod, uh, including uh, George, who is uh, back What's from last up? night's Thunder victory. You're welcome. I played my part. I don't like how you were so low on those cheerleaders on the picture last night, just hanging around down by their knees carrie you always say the weirdest shit on Uh here i don't even know what you're talking about he uh he put up an instagram story we took we did we did the uh there's like a a photo booth thing they have at the game where they photoshop in people and me and my friends took ones with the the photoshopped in cheerleaders so to fit everybody to fit everybody in a couple of us had to be down like on our knee and so I'm on my knee, and oh, Carrie's just going on here. You're getting your mind in the gutter here, Carrie. So the cheerleaders weren't actually there. No, that was, was fake. I it just was, don't want you to get canceled. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm uncancelable. I'm lovable. People love me. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, you got to go to the Thunder game. Did you have good seats or did you great seats? Shout out my 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 uh, shout out my friend uh, Sam. He um, he and his family have season tickets. He texted me yesterday and said he had a, an extra ticket. Um, we're about I don't know twenty thirty rows up. Great seats. It was awesome. Awesome game. Thunder are going to win it all. I think that's Eddie's territory to declare such things. I mean, I don't know if they're going to win it all, but going 10-3 and three in the month of December was awesome. They've been, they've been fantastic. The longest uh, winning streak in the yep, NBA right Yeah, now. the five-game winning streak in the games that they've won over the course of the last month has been incredible. It, they're just not just beating teams. They're beating their ass. It's been a lot of fun to watch. I don't actually, I don't actually think they can awesome. win it all, but they are. They're very, they're very play, real. They're probably playing they're about as well mix. as anybody in the uh, NBA yes. right now. Yeah, I think the next month is going to be really important, though. What do you think about? I was thinking about this last night. Like the OU fan that is out there that hates any, anyone talking about the Thunder. Because I mean, there are people like that. I'm sure we have plenty of subscribers like that. But I'm curious. Like, if you live in the state of Oklahoma, I think you love them both. But I, I could see people that aren't connected to Oklahoma that are just like, I only care about OU football. Yeah, and I, I mean, I get that, but I don't know. I, I've just always grown up a basketball fan, and when they came, I was a kid, and you just fall in love with the team. And they were so good so early. 
It's very yeah. Oklahoma centric. Yeah. I think you would yeah. be talking to the people that live in the state. I mean, all of my buddies are Dallas Maverick fans from Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Well, like Brig, who worked here, uh, intern, he's a huge, he's an annoying Mavericks fan. I think th- there's I think, a lot of those. I think there's just a <laughs> lot of pride for people that grow up in Oklahoma for the state, and they don't let necessarily say, I don't know if they love basketball as much as they love the state. And so when they have the little pesky thunder that all of a sudden are good, when everybody was shit talking about them mm-hmm. the last few years, I think people rally around that, even if they aren't the biggest NBA fan. But there's also even it's my all- dad. My dad doesn't like the NBA. He doesn't care for basketball much, but he 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 wants the Thunder to win because it's. You know, it's it's a pride thing. I bet your dad's like they don't play defense during the regular season type that's, guy. That's isn't he? exactly <laughs> what he is. <laughs> the third quarter last night was probably about as fun as I've had watching oh, a Thunder game in awesome. a long, long the time. The start it of the like, fourth was fantastic. I it mean, was awesome. It was awesome because you're always nervous to start the fourth because you know Shea's going to be on the bench and then Jay Will's out there hitting threes. And the they crowd was fantastic. was fantastic. Too. Josh Giddy's been great over the last two weeks. The Thunder vibes are very strong. I think the next ten games though are going to be really tough. Hopefully not. Uh, the it also makes the off season. But this for was football. supposed to be the tough part. Yeah. I know, and right? they they passed with flying well, colors. But they're they're eventually going to hit a rough patch, and yeah. it's going to be interesting yeah. seeing how they respond. But Eight of their next ten well, are on the road. All you have to do is go back to the Lakers game, and you realize yeah. what ha- how it goes bad for the Thunder is they just don't make threes. I do think the well, Thunder the Lakers made everything too yeah. on that yeah. night. I do think the Thunder being good helps us for the off season too, just because it makes it go a little bit faster. Everybody can shift their attention a little bit. But it's, it's like it's you two you two have set your lives up around Oklahoma City downtown. Like you both yep. live down there. You it's like a vibe. I mean it is It like was cool last night walking back downtown, from the arena. By the way, Barry Trammell does not live in the hill. Damn it. I don't know who told me that. I don't I know think who told, that. told me that. Kersey, hmm. No, I talked to him just the other day. He I asked Kersey? Him, no, Barry Trammell. Oh no, I'm I'm saying I think that Kersey told me that. What a liar. He is a liar. Well, he's a lawyer, <laughs> so he has to be a liar. Uh, yeah, so he's not with the dead, but like, you know, when I went to come pick you guys up before we went to San Antonio, I'm just like, man, this is a cool vibe down here. Like I get it, but you are sucked in to that culture where it's thunder and it's, you know, OU stuff, of course, but like your lives are very thunder centric. Yeah. Well, and like, it was very cool last night. I mean, I can walk to the arena from my apartment. And so walking back last night in the, the sea of people and everybody chanting, Okay, see, as you're walking, like it was awesome. I was like, this is, I mean, just imagine what it's going to be like when they get to the playoffs. The Thunder U vibes are definitely strong. It's back to what it was. It's a lot of fun to watch this thing uh, grow up. And especially over the next month, too, you know that there's going to be some downtime, probably some downswing. Like, I think tonight's really tough for them to go to Atlanta. It's just crazy to think that they have maybe the best player in the world on their team. They don't, though. I mean, I mean he's, he's in the conversation. He's in the conversation, but they I mean, come on. They he's not the best player in the NBA. There's few guys he's, I would take over him right now. There are few guys, but to say that he's the best in the NBA, he's not there yet. Statistically, efficiency <laughs> metrics, he's up there. He's been awesome. He has been awesome. I I, I love watching I think him. We I, decided maybe another like half of another month get 40 games in and then you can really start talking when, MVP and that kind of stuff. When Shea gets called when fouls get called on Shea because people breathe on him, then he's the best player in the NBA. Need to get there. Yeah. He's not there yet. Which I mean but I he do has think, a hard time getting fouls called on him. So. I do think he should win the MVP when you look at what he's been able to do this year with the team that he has in terms of how young they are and how well they're performing and him leading the way. 
I think he should be the MVP. You know what's crazy is Mark Dagnall could be the the All Star game coach. I think he should be the coach, the, the leader thunder, for the, the coach of the year win. right now. But if yeah. they, not what I'm saying is if they're in first place going into the All Star break, sure. he automatically is the coach of the. Would be amazing. Squad. The Thunder could win Coach of the Year, MVP, and Rookie of the Year. I mean, I Dagnall think that, should be Coach of the Year right now. There's a chance that definitely could happen. Yeah. It's not yeah. crazy to say. No, that. I know. It's, I don't think anybody insane. would have thought that they would start 23 and nine. No. Can we just get Isaiah awesome. Joe in the three-point shooting contest? Can we just do that? Let's start there. All right. I'm um, it is, All right. I'll uh, mark this as you can start listening now. <laughs> we Yeah, we apologize uh, for all the Thunder talk, but, you know, it's a thing right now in Oklahoma City uh, and uh, the Metro. So, guys, we got back from San Antonio. Uh, I think uh, we're glad to be back. We're glad that Eddie is back mostly. Uh, and Josh was down in Orlando. Uh, we, if you haven't seen it yet, go to our YouTube channel, just youtubecom Scoop. We did a uh, Under Armour practice report with uh, a recruiting report with Josh McQuistian. Sounds like everybody has been really, really impressive down there, including David Stone, who isn't happy with on three. Like we don't have anything to do with those rankings. And look, I'm all for guys having chips on their shoulders, and uh, I think that's good. It's just, it's just one of the. I, it's like. I know people are going to be like, yeah, that's because Sooner Scoop sucks. That's why he's going after on three. Look, we have no problem with David Stone. Like, we invited him to come on the recruiting show, and he, he didn't, he didn't, he declined or, you know, didn't he respond. He never responded. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you know, we're always down to have David Stone as part of, you know, our, our content as much as possible. Uh, but as Josh said on the, the recruiting report, like, he's been fantastic. I mean, any concerns that he had about David Stone completely wiped away. Uh, and, I think the Eugene Brooks news or just the evaluation that he has was the, the most surprising thing to me uh, in that he's been so dominant. Down. And you've seen other national you know, recruiting guys say the same thing about him. I had uh, both Eugene Brooks and David Stone on my projected two deep depth chart that I put in my mailbag the other day. I mean, I think both have a chance to play for, for – I mean, David Stone definitely because you look at the defensive line depth I mean, I just and I think he's just too good that they're going to find a way to get him on the field. But Eugene Brooks sounds like he's just dominating down there. Well, and I'll say this: like you know, Daniel Akinkumi, um, I expected him to have a really rough time down there, but it looks like he's held his own pretty well, at least from the the footage that Josh took. I just have a hard time thinking a guy that's played two organized football games is going to make an impact as a as a true freshman. I didn't realize that that he only played two games. It's that's crazy. crazy. I mean, you're in London. How many are you going to play? No, I know. I, I didn't. I just. It How didn't many cross teams my can mind. Tom Wart coach in one yeah. time? I mean, that that's going to be his biggest holdup, though. Is you know, just getting snaps and experience. I mean, the, the game speed is going to be really difficult for him. So th this spring's going to be huge for him to get a lot of reps. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I would love to know if Tom Wart, I bet he does not have his English accent right now. But if like if he spent a lot of time around Daniel, I wonder if he'd come back. I bet it would. If they just hung out together. I don't know where Tom's at right now. Last I, I knew he was in Oklahoma City, he was a trainer. I was going to say, I thought he was training people around here. He was developing some kind of LED uh, like shuttle device that looked pretty cool. All-time good dude that got a bad rap. 
Yeah, I mean, Tom is – we always liked him and his family, uh, and he was one of those guys that just – it was a bad time at linebacker back then. I mean, you had Ryan Reynolds that got hurt, and, you know, people never forgave the Brandon Crow thing. I mean, like, you look at the linebacker position now compared to then. My God, what a difference. Yeah. I, I was just uh, – we were talking about it this morning, but I was going back through some of the video from uh, Saturday – or. Thursday last week, the just pregame stuff. He was just walking around, and I know he's been out with a uh, knee injury, but Phil Bacotti looks every bit yeah, of Yeah, I remember part. you saying something about that. He looks that. great right now. By the way, uh, Justin Harrington was around the team the whole time at the bowl game. I don't know. Yeah, if we, I mean, I, I think really it's, I think it's very much expected Andrew that he's going to get that yep. seventh year of eligibility. And how's the NCAA going to say no right now when they're you know letting everybody transfer again? And I you mean, would hope that gets wrapped up you know, in the next month or so yeah, before you right. can really start into spring. I would think Alan Bowman at OSU is going to get his yeah. and, and Justin Harrington will get his. And if anybody else wanted one, they could probably get it. Now, we kind of buried the lead, I guess. The big news yesterday, Woody Washington announces he's coming back. Just Guys, just another piece to this defense that makes you believe that, you know, we don't know the offense is going to be, the offensive line, all that stuff, SEC ready. Defense appears to be SEC ready more than anyone else. A leader at every line of that you can possibly have. Ethan Downs at the end, and Lacey and Terry in the middle, and Stutzman at linebacker, Bowman at safety, Woody at corner. Every single line of the defense going to have a veteran presence that will be there to anchor, to anchor the ship. And I keep getting the question, like, could somebody beat Woody Washington out? Like, <laughs> you don't want anybody. I mean, he's solid. Like, I know he didn't have the greatest Alamo Bowl, but if somebody can beat him out, you're talking about an All-American type player. I mean, I just I, I feel like I have to defend Woody Washington from some of the stuff I'm hearing. Like, that dude can play, man. Well, and it's not so much about that as much as it is depth. And and that's the biggest yeah. thing going into the SECs. You're going to have guys go down, and when you're in game nine and you're at Columbia, Missouri, and you need a, a Kanai Walker or... Uh, Malone or Josiah Wagner, like you have bodies to step in. A Woody Washington having that presence there is just massive. I mean, think I, I think it was uh, Eli Letterman put out this morning that there is only one cornerback in the SEC that's played more snaps than Woody Washington this year. So to have a guy that has played that much football is crazy. I mean, it's it's awesome for him. Well, and here's the thing too, just just about having that. Locker room now. I mean, you've got young guys coming in, uh, and we can talk about the uh, the the Utah uh, PWO that's coming in um, now. Is is he corner? Yes. Yeah. 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 So that I mean, that gives you another young guy. Uh, like a redshirt sophomore at this point, or redshirt sophomore. Yeah, because he'll have three years left to play. Along with somebody like a uh, you know, I think that we're all pretty high on Jacoby Johnson. And I had him on my two D. And that was before we knew Woody was coming back. I mean, sure. And then what do they do with Kendall Dolby? Yeah. I mean, Dolby, who it seems is never going to leave the field. I mean, I think yeah. that what he did is probably one of the underwritten stories of what OU was defensively this year. It just seemed like he and he's coming off of his best game of the year too in the Alamo Bowl. And by the way, uh, the transfer portal did end yesterday, but that doesn't mean 
we couldn't still see a name that's in there, like the paperwork going through Correct. it hadn't been announced yet. It could be like 24 to 48. I think it could be up to a week, actually. Uh, but you'd expect in the next 24 hours any other. And the reason I say that is because we kind of wondered, with Daya McCullough going in, would Desan McCullough look? I mean, he has that opportunity to transfer somewhere else. He's been a guy that at times has seemed like he hasn't had a place in the defense at, at Cheetah. Uh, we do know, you know, that I think Brent was even asked about, just, you know, at some point about cheating guys playing there. Uh, and it seems like I remember kind of some comments about, you know, just his overall athleticism and coverage and things like that. And and we've seen that play out on the field at times. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think against some teams, you can't play at DeSaul McCullough. And I, you yeah. wonder if that's frustrating for him because he is such a playmaker on the defensive side of the ball. It was, I, I it was, was just confused by his his usage because Ken because Kendall Dolby got to be the got used the way I thought Desan McCullough would be used in terms of blitzing come and coming off the edge. It's what he did so well with the Hoosiers. That's why you wanted him in the first place. And he was never ever pass rushing the entire season. No. It seemed like a lot of that though was probably predicated on them trying to match up defensively with what the offense is offering, and it just so happened that Kendall was the guy on that particular play i also think justin harrington going because a lot of those were in passing downs right yeah and i think justin harrington going down early in the season kind of threw a wrench in whatever they wanted to do at cheetah because he was definitely establishing himself well and and they had they had formations and and schemes early in the year that they had both harrington and mccullough on Mm -hmm. the field where you could feel comfortable with harrington dropping in coverage mccullough going after the quarterback whatever it was so i think that getting harrington back or somebody to fill that main cheetah role to where you can let McCullough kind of do other things because it's clear he's just not very good in coverage. And that's why they had to play Dolby. Yeah, and like you said, I think you get Harrington back, it solves a lot of your issues, and you probably have the guy that you want there. Uh, But, I mean, it's like we went out there the very first practice. We heard Kendall Dolby's name mentioned like five times just standing there waiting to go in. Uh, And I just think Arizona, they knew they were a much more athletic team, better receivers. And Desamaka, and by the way, I don't know how Desamakola could play end at Oklahoma when you've got, yeah, especially this year when you had Bothroyd, but you got Ethan Downs. If you have a healthy R. Mason Thomas, uh, you have the guys coming in next year. Like his body type is nothing like anyone that they have at defensive end. Desan did play thirty-seven snaps. Yeah, I was gonna say he yeah. probably played the most. He, he played. He did, yeah. but Arizona. was that because they went with the three-man front most of the night? Yeah, and, and maybe they run more of that. Next year, I don't know. Maybe that's kind of a preview of what they really want to get well, to when you defensively. Have that many guys that have played that much football, I'm sure that it's easier for Brent and everybody on the defensive side of the football to trust everybody a little bit more and throwing out a three-man front or something that was maybe a little bit different than what you had run all season. This is a good problem to have. When's the last time you could talk oh, about sure. Oklahoma defense where we're naming all these guys? You're like, there's just not enough snaps sure. to go around I mean, for these guys. You're getting to the point now with as many guys that are coming back that you do wonder, like, what Samuel Omosigo mm-hmm. in this defense? What is a Lewis Carter in this defense? What are some of the guys that were, you know, truly young guys this year, and how do they continue to uh, try to get all these guys onto the field? By the way, I never said anything about it, but I think one of the most impressive things, just eye-popping things I saw was just Lewis Carter standing on a field. I mean, he is a massive human being. And mm-hmm. he was going through warm-ups, and I was right over by the linebackers in the pregame, and just in a uniform, I was just like, damn, if that guy 
I mean, they've got to find a way to get that yeah. guy on the field. He was huge on special teams the entire season, so they they definitely haven't forgotten about him. But he'll have to work his way. And we've mentioned like like Kobe McKenzie. You know, when Kip, Kip Lewis went down, I thought we'd see more of Kobe. So I thought it was kind of alarming that he didn't get that much run. And then when Kip came back, he was terrific. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, offensively. Portal. Uh, I mean, obviously Blake Smith. We expected him to enter the portal. Uh, we expected that actually to happen quite a bit ago. Uh, I think that was kind of one of those things, you know, you don't say process, but I think they coaches just made out. it well known yeah. that, you know, it's it's not really working out here. If you can find a place, you might want to do it. Um, but you've got the, the Roberts kid out of Baylor that's in the portal now. Was there just another guy yesterday that was – I mean, there were a couple of – Stand, I mean, the defensive end at Purdue, mm-hmm. uh, we got to talk about him, but he's obviously his defense. Uh, but what do you make it, Bob? Let's go to you. What do you kind of make out of offensively? Uh, I know there was an offensive lineman that entered yesterday from uh, LSU. LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, offensively, is it Roberts or Bust at tight end, or do you see anything well, else? They already got Bauer Sharp, so they've got one guy right. at, at tight end. So you're looking at Roberts as kind of an, like a. Nice add-on because you didn't really see that coming, and if that can help, can help you with Nate, that'd be great too for the 2025 class. Offensive line though, with Geno Van with Vandermark going back to the Spartans, that was a guy we'd all sort of assumed was going to be another sooner portal addition, and so now you don't have that. You still have a little five-day window for New Year Six teams and college football playoff teams to see if. Some of those guys go to the portal, but I don't see anyone that screams like, oh, that's going to be the guy that Bill gets. That's going to be a difference maker. It's going to be like the next Walter Rouse, you know, McKay type of addition. That's really going to mean something. I can't be the only one. I, I would think that coaches have to feel the same way. But when I see guys that are transferring for a second time, I almost, I almost don't want to see like, oh, you have anything to do with those guys. If you're not a grad transfer. It'd be a particular case. Yes. There's a reason. There's always a reason that you're entering the portal, right? You're not going to get on the field. Yeah, I mean, and it goes, I mean, look, you're going to have your Andrell Anthonys that, you know, Mm -hmm. were good and just young and just maybe frustrated with their position or probably at Michigan, the offense that he was in specifically, who is obviously going to be a really, really good player. Um but then you have other guys, you know, I think Theo Weiss has probably had a good career. Like, you know, it was a good decision for him to leave. And I think with everything that's gone on, offensive coordinator changes, like he didn't, he's probably a product of Luther Burden as much as anything. Like you, you don't get as much double coverage if you're Theo Weiss and you're playing with Luther Burden because everybody's focused on him. Um, but I don't know, I just locally, I can't think of a lot of just great. I mean, like DeJean Terry's been great. You know, it, it, he's been good. I mean, he's been solid. He hasn't been like a all American type. Uh, Jacob Lacey, kind of the same way. I, oh, you? They, they were really fortunate on the defensive line. I thought. Now, the how do you say the kid's last name from Purdue? Scourton. Scourton. Is yeah. it Scourton? I think his or Twitter Skirton? says Caraway, so yeah, people always get. But Scourton. But I mean, you look at him, and he's got the. <laughs> NIL of death lineup for Oklahoma where they're concerned because <laughs> he's visiting A&M and Missouri before he gets to Oklahoma, which makes you wonder, can he even get to Oklahoma? 
with you know all that money being thrown around. I think he was going to pop by Florida State Florida as well. State first. Yeah, Florida yep. State. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, it's like three, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Yep. Like one day each yeah. place. Start, That's a lot of travel. Louisville, one of them. Or yeah. it was, and then they got canceled. I do think uh, Chavis and Bates have done a pretty good job there, from my understanding. Well, he's got uh, Burks there to you know help him. Yep. Yeah. And Dion's I know they. I looked at his timeline the other day when he announced it. I saw that Burks was mm-hmm. had been tweeting at him. So. They just got to get him on campus. That's how a lot of this portal stuff works. If you can get these guys on campus, remember Walter got a Rouse. Really good shot. I mean, he was. Yeah. He was. I'm going to Nebraska. They got him to campus. They got him to flip. Uh, in. Even with NIL stuff, getting him on campus still appears to be a pretty big deal. I still think they need to go. He's he's an edge guy, um, I believe. Uh, they need to get an interior guy. I think. On That's the just hard. That's it is hard, hard. and I, I don't know who's <laughs> who's even available. Portal. Maybe exactly. Jaden Jackson is the guy. He could. I mean, look. I think Jaden Jackson and David Stone are going to play next year. Yeah. And and I think you know a guy that we thought maybe would get into the portal, but seems like he's coming back. Grayson Halton. I think they still like him a lot. Like I think he's a guy that could I mean, he that was could out play. There with the you know practicing, I mean doing yeah. everything. Everybody, he didn't seem to be like up. I, I that's one I don't get. I I seem to think that he is a better player than he gets opportunity. Well, I mean, I, I think but. it just became a thing towards the end of the year here, where you know Isaiah Coe was playing his best football. Jordan Kelly, Jacob Lacey, DJ Terry. I mean, they just had Jonah Lulu. Jonah. I mean, you had five guys that were very experienced and just playing. Good, honestly, good football yeah. up front. So I, I just think that they want to have a five to six man rotation. And Grayson Holton this year was the sixth guy. And if he does come back, I think that shows what type of vision he has. Uh, maybe like yeah, twenty fifteen, maybe twenty ten. I don't know if that's even good. Is it even good to go to like twenty ten? I well, I think so. I think the last time that I was at You're the uh, eye expert, right yeah, here. I was. The, I was the last time that I was at Enjoy Vision. I think I was reading like twenty ten. I think that's right. Is it 2010 that's perfect? I mean, 2020, 2020 is, is perfect. perfect. No, yeah. there's something better, I thought. Maybe for I like I thought it was like Air 2015 pilot. or something. Whatever. If you want to re- if you want to be able to see that well, all you got to do is go to Enjoy Vision, which is the best laser vision center in Oklahoma City, and it's not even close. The combination of mind-blowing technology, experienced eyeball surgeons, and exceptional patient care was life-changing for me. What they're doing for the unofficial 40 listeners, they're giving $400 off LASIK. All you got to do is go to enjoywithme.com. That is letter N-J-O-Y withme.com and use promo code U40 for $400 off LASIK. Enjoy Vision. This is where you LASIK. Uh, it is the Enjoy Vision fresh perspective look around. Uh, and uh, as you know, we go into the off season. obviously, I think classes we figured out started that week of the 13th on. Like I think 13th is Saturday. Fifteenth uh, is Martin Luther King Day. Okay, so it'll be 16th. the sixteenth when classes start, most likely. Jesus, how long do they get off these I days? I know it's, it's like ridiculous. a month. Back in my day, right? that's insane. Maybe that. I mean, I'm sure it was like that. I just don't remember when I was. I, in it school. was a. We got yeah. a month, I think. Yeah. yeah, it's probably right. But you said that you never celebrate Martin Luther King Day, so you're always back a day early. Is that what you've said before? No, that is not what I've said. I must have misunderstood. I think it was you that said that. It wasn't me. Anyway, I'm going to move on. Um, so, we, you know, there's going to be some downtime, some dead time. I mean, it is, you know, a great time for basketball to shine. Finals are over now. Uh, conference season is getting ready to start. Uh, there was a conference game last weekend, wasn't there? Like Texas 
Tech and somebody? Mm-mm. Was there not? I thought there was a conference game. Maybe no. I'm thinking some women's. women's. It was women. There was some women's. Is what it was. Conference kind of games. off topic, but Baylor's Arena. Awesome. awesome. That's what Porter's looking for. They awesome. Need, they yep. need that. Mm-hmm. Foster Pavilion is badass. I watched a little bit of that game last night, and it is about perfect. Is I, it like, like it looks deep like on it, campus or something? Because it's right next to the Farrell Center. Yeah, which is the Farrell Center was always. It's kind of guarded back yeah, there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that it's it's like right across the street from the okay. parking lot. But it is awesome. Seventy, I think seven thousand, yeah, or seventy five hundred. We saw, we saw, mm-hmm. also, we saw Texas's. What they're, where yeah, they the play. Moody Center the looks Moody Center fantastic looks cool. from the outside. Mm-hmm. It's it's a perfect arena, and I think that if you just grasp the idea that that's what the future is of college basketball and packing it in every night with seventy five hundred, eight thousand people, it's a it's a perfect setting. And yeah. I love the name. They need more pavilions in college basketball. The Foster Pavilion is a. Great I agree. Name. Pavilion is a. It's a cool. I mean, there's only really, truly like, what, two or three? Polly is probably the number one pavilion. Gamble. What's the one up in uh, Philly? I don't know. That's the Palestra. Yeah. What would they name the OU one? The Tisdale Pavilion? I don't know. That's a good question. Probably depends on how much money somebody's Uh, How much sponsor? Yep. The Trey Young Pavilion. If you want to give 219 million, you can name it whatever you want. Wasn't that what Baylor cost? I think it was two nineteen. Theirs was two nineteen. Yeah, it's nice. Their football stadium was only like sixty. I'm pretty sure that Foster Pavilion. Maybe they did a bunch of. Uh, McLean was like sixty five, seventy something like that. I couldn't believe how inexpensive, inexpensive that was. Which I guess you look at it. There's not a ton of McLean's nice though. I like McLean Stadium. I, it's fine. Yeah. Two point uh, two hundred and twelve million. There you wow. go. Two hundred and twelve point six. How much million. is the how much is the the uh, whatever they're calling this thing the Norman Project thing? It's two hundred. It's two hundred million. I think. Okay, it's the going price these days. They probably also had remember. to exercise all of the uh, the demons that were in the Farrell Center from Kim Mulkey. God, she's just a detestable human being. Love her. Uh. <laughs> anyway, um. So yeah, I mean, Sooners finish out the non-conference. Uh, I know Bob. Bob was I was I was explained to me that you are very angry at the performance uh, the night of the Alamo Bowl. Atrocious, absolutely. <laughs> it's a billion dollars. The what? one that they're proposing in Norman. Oh, it is a billion. Well, that's for the whole economic the, the district. district. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how much. Just I don't think they ever listed how much the arena would be. Sorry to interrupt. I looked it just, up. Apology not accepted. Bob, um, just pitiful. It just those were the two games where Caden Cooper and Luke. Northweather should have gotten chance to shine and see if your eight man rotation is a ten man, and instead they had trouble with both of them until the second half versus Monmouth, where it found like they they started to get their rhythm again. But that Central Arkansas game, I I don't advise anyone to ever watch that ever again. They won by sixteen. <laughs> oh, because they scored late. I mean, it was. It was what Bob grades on a, a very was, hard scale. It is a tough scale. Yeah. It was like seventy-one to sixty-six, or like, it was seventy. No, it was it was a tight. I mean, it made no sense. It made no sense why they couldn't. Everyone separate. has a bad game. They've had about a bad week and a half. They've had that's a okay. Couple, I yeah. I think it is okay though as you move into conference play that you know and it's it's not necessarily an easy start. You got Iowa State coming up on Saturday it's at five right o'clock. Right in the top ten in the net. 
Iowa State. Yes, they're not ranked. I thought that they're 17. I thought I looked. No, they're they're receiving oh, votes. I'm, think, I'm thinking Ken Palm. I'm thinking Ken. But Palm. they're like number six or seven in the net rankings. They they love Cyclones. I think you gotta if you're looking at it this way, you gotta get a win on Saturday because I think next week's gonna be really at tough. TCU at, at TCU Kansas. at Kansas <laughs> is think? is a is a little bit of a bounce back. Although I don't know what. TCU. There's a lot of those teams. Yeah. TCU, Texas Tech, Iowa State. They're all like ten and two. And Kansas you State's ten and three. Yeah. And if you look Kansas at the way State, that they're playing, you, you would think that they're awful right now. Yeah. You just you don't know how, what they're going to do once co- the conference play hits. And I'm eager to see Saturday because students still won't be back. So I know they're advertising something about become a student again for a day because it's just too early. You still have another week, so you're going to have. Not that much of a student presence. On I, I would think that Saturday's a really good crowd. Five o'clock start. I think the women play at noon. You can come down to Norman, kind of make a day of it. And I, I would think that Saturday, with the way that they played in the non-con, rebounding, if you will, from the North Carolina loss, I think that you know everything's still probably pretty positive in that regard. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you if you sat here and, and reseeded every team uh, going into conference play, Kansas would be number one. Who'd be number two? Houston. 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 Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, and you could probably even argue if you really wanted to, maybe Houston's number one. I mean, they haven't lost so far. They're thirteen and zero. They're number one in Ken Palm. Yeah, it's one A, one B. And then I think you start working your way down into the Texas. Is is, is BYU yeah, really the number Texas, three team BYU, in the country? Yeah, I, I, I think BYU is the biggest question of are they, how good are they really, aren't they? BYU and OU. I, I think they're both right up there. They're going to be Biggest they're question mark teams. Really high, but what has their work suggested? I mean, you go back to it, outside of Providence, those other non-conference wins aren't looking great for OU between Arkansas and Iowa and USC six and seven now. We thought when Otega hit that tip in, that was like a massive, you know, moment beating the Trojans. Everyone's beating the Trojans. So we'll see if any of those wins start to work their way back to meaning something, or else it was just all smoke, uh, you know, smoke and mirrors until you get to conference play. Oklahoma State still has a non-conference game before they start. I think they have Chicago State. They have Chicago State tonight who played in Manhattan last night. They're doing the good old-fashioned literal back-to-back for a college basketball team is insane. They won in Evanston. They beat (laughs) Northwestern, but Chicago State's been bad for so many years. They're awful. I don't even think they're in the top 200 in the uh, Ken Palm. It was pointed out to me this morning, like, how how do you name a university state when it's a city? It doesn't make any sense. Of course, there's San Diego State. There's Jacksonville State. San Jose State. And Jacksonville there's State's others. not even in Florida. <laughs> not even it used to be Florida. Memphis State, but it's now just Memphis. Doesn't make any sense. Anyway, Memphis is a good team. Uh, if Oklahoma State loses to Chicago State, they might not win a game in the Big 12. I, if they lose to Chicago State tonight, I think they're a 19.5 point uh, favorite. There would be I think it's maybe plus fifteen hundred an insurrection tonight. in Stillwater three days before 
the hall. So Mike Boynton beating OU twice wouldn't save his job? <laughs> I, I don't think that he would get to the Oklahoma game if they lose to Chicago State tonight. But I think, I think Baylor's a little bit of a question mark too, aren't mm-hmm. they? I mean, being ranked so high and then nope. having some weird losses. You lose the Duke and the showcase chance. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of these teams that... They had one game where they just got their heads kicked Oh, in. Michigan State destroyed them. Yeah. yeah. And Michigan State was had a very uneven that was, start to that was a That was one of those, I think, that was kind of rallied the troops. Yep. Oh, you need definitely. to get a good yeah. win, and Michigan State did. So they're a much better team than what they've played here through the first part of the non-conference schedule. That's what OU's hoping about Arkansas, too. The Baylor freshman's really good, though. So, Jacoby like, Walter? Yes. Yeah, he's like the Keontae yes. George from last year. Yep. Well, let me ask you. I mean, you talked about what, you know, how OU's, you know, had a little bit of a downturn. It does seem like it's been a good kind of couple of games for Jalen Moore to get kind of his wings back. Yeah, and he did. He was the star of the second half Sunday. Why they separated as much as they did during that 17 to 1 run finally put Mama, oh, oh, you know, put him away for good. But you. Look at what he did against Central Arkansas. Even though I'm telling you not to watch it, you can, you can read the stat line. Moore played really well. So, yeah, it's back-to-back games where he's looking like, you know, that guy that they're going to need him to be throughout conference play. And how do we feel about JVM McCollum going into conference play? Can he handle physicality? We saw Grant Sherfield looked like one of the best players, and then conference play hit, and he couldn't separate. He couldn't use his speed. He couldn't get open. McCollum is next-level speed. So he'll have a much better chance, but I, I'm still what him and Lowe did Sunday with 16 assists between them, eight apiece. That that's gonna win a lot of games. So what I like about both of those guys, they know if they're not scoring, they can still make an impact as a as a passer. You think Porter kind of leans on Lowe and Owe to kind of when he needs a bucket as conference play gets going, so other until other guys kind of. Come around a little bit. You could see that, but Javion's got the confidence that he wants it in that moment. We go back to USC. It was Javion that put up that shot in the final couple of seconds before Otega just kind of flew through the air and tipped it in. So he's not afraid of the moment, and I think he's he's going to have to be that way. He's going to have to have that irrational confidence that no one can stop me until someone proves that they actually can't. They also need their big guys oh, to yeah. like not suck like tanner groves was so bad last year in conference play like they need hughley and sam godwin to like i'm not saying they go out and we kind of know what godwin's gonna do though i mean he's gonna be around the bucket he's gonna be an effort guy he's gonna get put back they can't get in foul trouble extra possession that's what we learned against north carolina when they combine for two points because they are both in foul trouble the entire way you maybe one can survive but they cannot both be in foul trouble on the same night and, I mean, Hughley, in, in big games, like, he's had foul issues. I mean, he has to get where he's just not – he's active inside. He's doing the things they need to. And he's not just standing behind the three-point line chunking threes. Which Porter has encouraged. Him and Jalen Moore, it's like, you guys, you, you got to take them. You, they got to at least think you're a threat. And it actually worked against Monmouth because when Monmouth saw Jalen Moore – Hit, it, hit hit a three or two, then they came out, then he could smoke them and then dunk it and do do and do what he does. What else? Uh, anything else? Just the big you're looking for heading into conference play? Nah, I just you know they they still have to figure out their shooting. They've got scores, they don't have shooting, and one of them is Latrey Darthard, who is gets so many open looks, he can't go one for seven when they're all open looks, and then I know. Again, that goes back to Porter encouraging them. It's like, you've got it. 
take it. You can't be scared if you're out there. You need to shoot it. But they've got so just the looks they've had in the first month and a half of the season have been really, really good. They got to make them count. You know, they can't keep having these nights where they're like you know, six of twenty-four from from three and hoping that's going to carry the day. Uh, I just want to say how refreshing this segment was without Josh here with, with us wondering if he was dead or if he was ever going to come back again. Like that, I like talking hoops. I know Eddie loves hoops, uh, but yeah, I I was a big eight kid. 1988, still the worst year of my life. Um, especially when you grow up in a family full of Jayhawks. So, uh, by the way, uh, you know, our thoughts out to the Miner family. That was really cool that uh, they wore the Miner warm up, warm up uh, jerseys and things. Uh, I, you guys know, like we were in school together at the same time. Um, it was, you know, he was a legend. I mean, the way that he played basketball. And that's what he was to me. He's always going to be a basketball. He was a guy that kind of played baseball on the side, uh, but he was legitimately the best basketball player in America. And it's funny when you see the highlights, the context of him, just it doesn't do it justice. Uh, but you see the way that he you know, used his body in, yep. inside to get off shots, and he was a scorer. I mean, he was a great shooter. Uh, and you know, I know Damon had been keeping us in the loop about and everybody about what was going on. So it wasn't a shock to anybody, but I know a lot of people have been, you know, their lives have been affected by cancer. Uh, you know, I'm one of those guys who had a best friend that went through that and, and saw him literally just whittle away over a four or five month period of time. It's one of the toughest thing any, any family can go through. So, uh, hopefully, you know, the family's finding some peace with it and, uh, letting some time kind of heal, uh, you know, the pain that they're going through. So our thoughts and prayers, certainly out to the minor family and, and those close to him as former teammates. So uh, let's go back to some football because, uh, you know, we really haven't talked about the game and what we saw. In, Real quick, uh, on yeah, Ryan Minor. Yeah. I'm, I was just reading the bio stuff. Uh-huh. Sixth leading scorer all time. He ranked top 10 in 14 different OU categories on the basketball court. That's all crazy. Time. Yeah. All time. I was all glad right. I got to ask Porter about it Sunday. It's so. crazy. I, I always will remember uh, being at... 89er Stadium, All Sports Stadium, and watching OU. I want to say it was a regional that they had to come back and like beat Auburn or somebody. Yes, it was twice Auburn. in the uh -huh. same day. Right, and I just remember being there the entire day. And I think remember that James Ryan and Damon both hit like three or four home runs each, or not each, but combined that day to kind of fuel it. Or maybe I was one of the Redmond. greatest. Was Mark Redman pitching at the time. Yeah, that was one of the greatest atmospheres in the history of Oklahoma City sports up to that point. Like. It was a zoo. That place was packed. Yeah, the I, Auburn I, I, fans. I remember were, being at that game. There were a bunch of. I was or there games. too. Uh, the Auburn fans were just incredible. There was a lot of shouting back and forth. I mean, that was kind of the back in the day. People don't realize, like even Bricktown. A lot of people, you know, it was that way when they had Bedlam first at Bricktown. Like there would be fights in the stands, and, and I mean, there would college baseball. There was a lot of yelling. Uh, there was a lot of shit talking in you know with the fans and the stands. You just don't see that. Maybe you do it in the SEC. Maybe we'll find out that it's it's like that now. Um, but it's it's going to be great now that Eldell is you know getting renovated. Uh, you know, eventually when it gets re renovated, because uh, it it'll be a much better place to watch a baseball game. But no, that seriously, that's one of the greatest sporting events in the state I've ever been to. Is that that NCAA region? It would have been 1995, and it I guess it was over a two day period because it was May 
27th of May 28th, OU came back and won 9-8 and then 3-1. I want to say Ryan Miner might have even pitched in that series. I might Russ be Ortiz wrong. Russ Ortiz got the save in the first game. Brian Shackelford had a big uh, seventh-inning single. Shack. Seventh-inning single to tie the game that scored Ryan Miner and Damon Miner, and then uh, had a he scored on a wild pitch to take the lead 9-8 in the seventh. That kids was back in the day when you would go to the varsity. Oh yeah, and watch sporting 100%. events, play a little pool. That '95 team was awesome. Eric Thomas, MJ Mariani, Damon Miner, Javier Flores, Ryan Miner, Rich Hills, Brian Shackford. Those are some names from the past. And those bedlam, names from my childhood. Those bedlam <laughs> games would be on television back then. Like there was no. See, I don't remember ESPN that. Plus or anything yeah. like that. Mark it, Bellhorn was on the Auburn team. Mark Bellhorn, wow. It's an old school cub name. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, that was... Uh, thanks for that memory link, because that was awesome. I almost forgot. I'll never forget about it, but I, it jingled my memory bells or memory bank, so... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, okay, so Alamo Bowl, Jackson Arnold, six turnovers. I don't know, George, I, let's go to you though first. I mean, just your overall takeaways kind of from Jackson Arnold's first start. I thought he was uh, he made some freshman mistakes. Um, you know, I, I think that the talent is clearly there. Uh, you watch him throw the football that his, his ball placement, I think, is elite. Um, I mean, everybody talks about the long throw to Thompson, but I thought he had some other throws in the game that um, were were special. Uh, you know, I think the one to Stoops on a third and long was super impressive. The one over the middle to Farouk, which he ended up fumbling down inside the 10, was a really nice ball. Um, he had another one to Thompson in which we thought he fumbled, but he didn't fumble. Um, so he had some really good Hell, plays. Hell, the one that was, when it was 31-24 that he hit to Drake over the middle that would have, I think they would have yeah. scored on that drive, but they had a holding penalty that ended up making it first and 20 and just killed that drive. But like, that was his best last throw of the night, and then it just all kind of fell apart. Yeah, and, you know, I think that, um, you know, some of the, the stuff where the interceptions, I think the first the first interception was just really a bad read, um, and then the, the last one was also kind of a bad read, but a lot of those came on RPOs, and, uh, you know, I think RPOs are very difficult. You have, you know, either you hand it off or you don't, and then you have kind of one read, and he just kind of missed missed it um, on, on both of those. He probably should have handed the ball off on a couple of them. So shit happens. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Latrell and, and what that offense looks like. But I think the biggest thing for Jackson is we knew he had the arm talent. I think his pocket presence was pretty good. And I've said that a few times now. But his ability to know when to take off. Now, he held on to it a couple times too long. And it, and it resulted in holding penalties. But uh, I do think his legs are going to be a pretty big factor moving forward. It seemed like the, uh, and we said this on the uh, Eskridge Lexus postgame podcast on Thursday night, it just seemed like even in the times, especially in the fourth quarter when things got tight, when 
it did seem like he was holding on to the ball for a long time. I, I just have to think that the turnovers early really kind of neutered him as far as not wanting to take so many chances down the field. He thought twice, and then all of a sudden, you think twice for you know even a half a second, and the window's gone. And, and I think there, there's some people out there saying, well, you know, Spencer Rattler had a lot of arm talent, and he does. Spencer Rattler does have a lot of arm talent, but I don't think Rattler, one, could move as well as Jackson in the pocket. And two, I do think that Jackson has, and not to say Spencer didn't have a great mindset, but I do think Jackson's mindset is a little bit better, and I do think he will improve upon those turnovers moving forward. It didn't feel like they got separation in those final couple of drives. Like Receivers just yeah. really weren't open, which was amazing. Because you know, first it took three quarters. way too long for him to yep. find open, and that's that was part of the problem with the penalties. I mean, Here, you can't keep running back, you know, back and forth for ten seconds and not expect that offensive line to get a holding penalty. And I think too, a, a moment that changed the game: Brennan Thompson getting hurt. If they, if and not saying Brennan Thompson all of a sudden they win the football game, but he was creating the most separation down the field. You wonder if they would have gotten another deep shot with him down the field, or it would have at least opened up something else because they have to play a safety over the top and all of a sudden somebody else gets open. So I wonder if Brennan getting hurt kind of hurt them there. But uh, I don't, I also want to see more Jaden Gibson. I feel like we have said that a lot, but it just seems like he wasn't out there a ton. I mean, he played more in the Alamo Bowl, but I wanted to see him. Yeah. I wanted to see no. more shots to him down the field. I think that's something that has to happen with this offense moving forward is he has to become a bigger Threaten this offense, and, and I'm, I'm the, the way Jackson throws a deep ball. I mean, my God, he's 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 hand picked to to be paired with him. And I think to Bob's point, guys weren't getting open, and I think part of that is Farouk. Farouk's playing out of position, in my opinion. I, like he he just is not an outside guy, right. and yep. he, he can't he doesn't have the speed to create that separation down the field. He needs to be somebody in the slot. So I think that was part of the issue too. Down the stretch was Farouk was still in the game, and he just wasn't very open. And then he was turning the ball over. I mean, you got to catch the ball. They got, and then still wouldn't use four wide. Still want their tight ends out there. And, and it was interesting. I guess Latrell said after the game on the radio that they had a very limited playbook uh, in terms of what they were doing. So I, I think that there were some people out there criticizing Seth Latrell, saying they didn't run the ball enough and all this stuff. I he was in a tough spot, man. Like I, I'm not going to judge Seth Latrell off of that game because it wasn't his offense. That's an extremely difficult thing to do, especially when Gavin went down. Or, you know, whatever the hamstring thing that happened to him in the third quarter. He just wasn't the same. Well, uh, I know, thought you were talking about Freeman for a second. And I was like, Free? I was like, what are you talking about, Bob? <laughs> but yeah, no, Sawchuck, yeah, that changed. That also changed the game. Yeah. And I mean, I, look, let's face it. In going into the spring, I, I know they don't like doing a lot of stuff with running backs in the spring as far as physicality, but it might be kind of time to do that a little bit this spring i wonder if this is just pure speculation but i think barnes has been dealing with an injury all year i wonder mm -hmm. if he's going to have to have another procedure or surgery or something because i think he was an emergency he was playing an emergency role down the stretch and because a lot of like people are like, well, why weren't they up his surgery yeah like because a lot of people are like why wasn't he playing i was like i don't think i don't think he was healthy because otherwise they would have played him over tawi i just if knowing that tawi was leaving by by the way in in I'm happy for Tawi to to get yeah, that offer yeah. to go to Wisconsin. Uh, we can I tweeted this like we can fight all day about what type of running back he is, but I think when you see Gavin Sawchuk at his best, that shows you like 
Okay, that's what they don't have in Tawi. Here's the here's the other thing that people haven't talked about enough with that. Tawi has one year of college football left. Everyone else on OU's roster, either guys coming back or guys that uh, are coming in, are going to have two or more years left to play. And that's, I think, OU saying, okay, we have Sawchuck, Barnes, uh, Sam Franklin, who they're bringing in from UT Martin. They've got uh, uh, Hicks coming back, and they've got Taylor Tate. That's five guys on scholarship who all have two or more years, technically, to play. Whereas Tawi has one year, and that's it. Yeah, and you don't want to jeopardize, like you said, some of those young guys that Correct. are going to develop and be. Because if you take Tawi back, there's a chance. Players. There's a chance Hicks goes in the portal. Yeah. Yep. Barnes mm-hmm. goes in the portal. You probably don't get Samuel Samuel Franklin. Like it's there's a domino effect there. Yeah, I'm curious if Franklin really has a role when when everybody's healthy. I mean, I don't think they would have taken him if they don't think he's going to have a role. I mean, I've watched all the tape there is to watch on him last year. He's a guy. I mean, I I know he ran for a lot of yards, but I don't see it like a... The question mark is Barnes. True, yeah. If Barnes is healthy, he'll probably play over Franklin. If he's not and he can't stay on the field, then I think Franklin's your guy at, as, the, as the backup. Sawchuck's the number one guy. Here's though. a question, though. Does it... Is there going to have to be some give in DeMarco? Because I think Taylor Tatum is going to be an exceptional talent like, I think DeMarco was born out of that school. Like, you got to be able to pass block. You got to be able to do all the little things to get on the field. You can't just be a guy that I give the football to and you're going to get a bunch of yards and you don't really know what you're doing. Like, I think with Tatum, and, and, and look, it is on Tatum, but if you don't learn how to block or, you know, pick up the extra guy or whatever, you you it is going to hurt the team. It's going to hurt the offense. So I, I get the whole thing, but... Man, I, I, you know, when you got a guy like that, just like give him a few carries here or there. Like, you know, you don't have to put him out there on third down when you know you got to help chip a rusher on the edge. Like, but you know, first, second down, throw him out there a little bit. It might have been out of necessity, but they did give Dalen Smothers and Caleb Hick a little bit of run early in the season. I mean, Smothers was out there on big downs in Stillwater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But that might have been out of necessity. It also doesn't... Well, they ha- only had Tawi at that point, didn't they? And sure. he was kind of busted up. Yeah, and it doesn't help that he was busted up. It doesn't help either that Taylor's not going to be here for the spring. He's going to have to yes, come in and hit the is, ground running during the summer. Insane. And I, he's a baseball guy, too. Yeah. So yeah. You know. I do wonder if they put him on special teams in some role, though. Yeah, I mean, throw him back there and see if he can return a punt. Or, I mean, a a return kick. a kick. Yeah. Or catch a punt. Yeah, I do think they need. There's to an epidemic in college football right now with <laughs> punt returners oh just God. not being able to catch the football. Well, they I think they get two in their head. Yeah, you know, I think that they, there's some hesitancy on on what they're supposed to do. I mean, you've seen that with Gavin. Is I, I think he's totally second guessing. Last second fair catch. Yeah. But the like best yeah. teams in the country have problems at punt returner. Like. All of them, it seems. Yeah, but there's a difference between... Texas has a guy back there with a club on. I don't know what they were doing. There's a difference between doing it in the Rose Bowl when you are playing to go to the national title versus in the, you know, meaningless Alamo Bowl. Still got to catch it, though. And I think Gavin has a role on this team. I just, at some point, I think you just got to put somebody back there that you know is going to catch it every time. Sure. And it's kind of what Drake Stoops was when yep. he was doing it. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right, by the way, uh, sockware, maybe that's the key to it. Uh, deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y. 
Uh, go check out our good friends. Uh, use that promo code SCOOP. You get 25% off your entire order, even sell items. Uh, but uh, great customer service, fantastic website, fantastic sock collection. Go check out their Crimson and Cream colorways uh, and get yourself armed for uh, game days, not just football, but now basketball. Uh, get the boardrooms if uh, you know you're, you're trying to avoid the cold. Or uh, if it's a nice day, you always want your nose shows, and those are fantastic socks. We love them here at the office. Uh, we've all got them. We all wear them. We all swear by them. Deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Go check them out today. Use that promo code SCOOP. Get 40% off, or 25, I'm sorry, 25% off your entire order. Uh, and as always, stay soxy. So, I don't know, I... I I think just moving forward, we're all going to keep an eye on that offensive line. Uh, it, you know, the Eugene Brooks we talked about sounds promising. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, if they get some guys to step up and, and they hit in the transfer portal with you know, one another guy, maybe two guys. I, I would say I don't feel as bad right now as I did after the Alamo Bowl. They need, but well, the thing is, they need guys like a, a Heath Ozeda or mm. Josh Bates or Jake Taylor to be a exactly. dude. Exactly. They need, they need at least one of those three to be a guy. Maybe even two of those three to be a guy. Yeah, you need development. Yeah, and it's even more so now when it looks like the portal is probably not going to give you. Three new starters. And here, here's yeah. the thing: they've had ten guys. I looked this up the other day. They've had ten guys over the last three years go in the the portal on the offensive line. Five this this year. Seven of those ten ended up at non power five schools, and two of those that of those three are at SMU. Nate Anderson and Savion Burt. So if you yeah. count them as as power five, the only guy that's gone to a true power five school is Caden Green. So part of yeah. the issue, I wonder, is the evaluation process. Like, are they getting the right guys in the program to start with. I think, I think, I mean, you got to take a guy like Savion. I mean, he's yeah. so much talent, but I think Nate Anderson, I mean, he was a smaller guy when they recruited him. Um, but like, you're talking about Daryl Simpson, Bray Walker, guys yeah. that you thought were going to be your starting tackles at some point. I, if Josh were on here right now, he would say he still doesn't understand how Bray Walker was so bad. I mean, yeah. everybody wanted him. And it just, it's bad. And you hit on Caden Green. It just, shit yeah. situation. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he was a starter. He was, he was, but you need, you be need the future. And you need the next Caden Green. You need a Eugene Brooks or even guys on the roster right now, Heath Azeda, Josh Bates, somebody, you know, uh, Eddie Pierre Louis to be that next Caden Green because at some point next year, you're going to need one of those guys to, to be an elite player up Which, front. Why it was weird that Taylor came in when Sexton had the helmet issue. I mean, Josh has said Taylor felt like an offensive guard, like a yeah. natural guard, but he's still repping at tackle. And who's your backup? Here's here's my other question: Who's your backup left tackle next year? Logan Howland? Like, and no offense to Logan Howland, but like, he's not even played. He was a tight end in high school, wasn't I he? I think they right. would move a starter somewhere from another position. Yeah, whether it's right tackle or. And Jacob Sexton's coming off, and I think Jacob Sexton's going to end up being a good player, but he's coming off probably his worst game. At yeah, NU. I mean, yeah. it's it's very obvious. He has to get stronger. Yeah, I think he's also better at left than right. Well, and the other thing is, even if you, you have these young guys and they're talented and they can physically play, are you, is that just going to give you a whole bunch more penalty issues again next year? Discipline issues. I mean, at some point, 
I mean, I think Jeff Levy needed to answer for the undisciplined nature of his offense. Now it's going to be Seth Luttrell. And, and if you see the same thing happening with Seth Luttrell, then it becomes a thing on the players. But I don't know, that's, that, to me, that's not just getting his offense in uh, and you know getting Jackson comfortable with what he wants to do offensively. He has to attack this discipline issue that has been a part of this program for the last several years now. Yeah, I, I, I think it's probably number one priority list right now in terms of just overall program as they move into year number three under Brent. You led the Big 12 in uh, penalties this year. What did you put out there in the uh, mailbag? 92 penalties this year in yep. uh, conference play? Or was that just overall? That was. T- I think Texas had 92 overall penalties. OU had 88. They okay, were the so two they were leaders. Just offensively or both sides of the Just ball? total. Yeah, I mean, it, it had and a lot of the stuff, particularly in Stillwater and Lawrence, that you end up losing the game, it's because of penalties. It's because you kept shooting yourself in the foot like they did Thursday night against Arizona. I mean, how many times did they get out to the midfield, bust off a big play, like you said, with the Drake one, and all of a sudden you're looking at first and 20 or second and 20? Yeah, I mean, for the fans, they should say that this is unacceptable. It's it, And it is. It's completely unacceptable to be that undisciplined on offense. And, you know, and it's not just that. It's, it's you know, you're going to have to work on that RPO game with, you know, linemen down the field, too. That's That's going to be a... A problem that you bring into it if you're really running a true RPO system. So there's all kinds of things that this offensive line has been bad at in, in, in terms of discipline, and that's on Bill Beanbow too. I mean, it, it, it's on all of them to get it fixed because I think if Levy had come back this year, that would be his number one criticism during this off season. All right, anything else you guys wanted to try and hit on uh, before we get out of here on the football side of things? I mean, obviously, we're focused mostly on transfers right now more than recruiting. Um, but, you know, you're starting to see some 2025 commitments out there. You're starting to see some guys talking, uh, 2026 guys a little bit that are starting to get noticed a little bit more. But really, I don't think anything pressing that we're... We're, you know, we're still in the dead period. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, Not a we, whole lot. Yeah. Not a whole lot. Congratulations to Andy Bass, named Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Oklahoma. Oh, very nice. Uh, for his efforts this season. I, I think he's going to be a fantastic player. I've already heard that he's uh, in the rehab process with yep. the ACL stuff. So, uh, you know. He it, seems like the kind of guy just, he, he loves the weight room. Yeah. He'll he'll knock that for out sure. pretty good. For sure. 4,600 yards this season on offense. Pretty incredible year for Heritage Hall. First Heritage Hall player to win the award since uh, Wes Welker. Pretty good company to be in. No Barry or Sterling. Surprising. I was surprised that Sterling didn't win it. Mm -hmm. I don't remember who won that in 2012. That been 2012? 2011, maybe. You know who it could have been. Sterling was on OU in 2012. Was he? So it It would have been 2010? 2011. 2011? Sheldon Wilson from Anadarko. Okay. Hmm. Uh, Were you guys surprised at all by the uh, college football playoff results? No, uh, but it was they were awesome unbelievable games. games. Yeah, I absolutely mean, fantastic. Washington, damn near. They're clock is, is Johnson out? It said Ryan Grubb said on a Seattle radio program Sorry. yesterday. I would imagine he does like a a weekly thing. He said he's going to be available. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? I I have a hard time thinking that he's. Well, here's the thing: they're getting killed about clock management, but that was absolutely the worst thing that could have happened to them. Well. 
for the running back to get hurt in that moment. Yeah, they weren't thinking about like. No, I mean it wasn't he, like they. They're, they're thinking, oh, maybe he busts busts this open and the game's over. Yeah, and 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 I get it. You look hindsight's twenty twenty, and you should have taken a knee there. And I was saying, watching the game, they should probably just take a knee. Because it would have been like 15 seconds 15 or seconds. something yep. if Texas right. would have got but the ball back. But still, I mean, no one was thinking, oh, he's going to get hurt and it's going to... St- I mean, that's a shitty it's rule. It's going to stop the clock. I mean, that, that they got to re- rethink that rule. I, I don't think you can change that rule. Otherwise, people just fake injuries and but, lay down on the but field. But you switch it to where if it's the home team or the team that is leading, leading. that right. the clock doesn't stop. Like, this clock stops or starts when the ball is set. Then now, you're going to look like assholes because you're trying to usher a hurt guy off the field in 25 seconds. You can look like assholes all you want if you're winning the football game. That's what hey, some people are saying that. The offensive lineman should have dragged Johnson to the sideline because you don't want the clock <laughs> I mean, to stop. I tweeted. I tweeted out. I said, I don't care if your drag leg's broken. Him, you got to get off the field. <laughs> get him off the field. You got to find a way to get off the field. I don't care if you lost your leg. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was un- it was a very unlucky situation. But yeah. I mean, the Alabama-Michigan game is just like... I was slightly surprised just with how dominant Michigan was. Yep, I mean, yeah. they whooped their ass yeah. up front. I I, hate, I mean, Which I is, don't understand why they hired Tommy Reese in the first place. I mean, he's, I've just never been impressed with him as an offensive coordinator. I thought it was also cool that the... Uh, and I didn't realize it at the time, but the Mason Graham kid, the defensive tackle from uh, Michigan, he was on the Servite team Yes. That, yes. Uh, Feed, uh, that Jed Fish was talking about right. last week. And just to put it in perspective, it, they had, what, five or six guys that all went D1 on that Servite team? They got beat 24-7 to by modern day. <laughs> They're senior well, yeah, I mean, high school. Fafita and all his teammates, the receiver. It's crazy, though. He had a hell of a game. By the way, Fafita's for real. He's really good. Yeah. I, I think the, uh, the playoff games, though, tell you that you need a few things to win a national championship. You need a a really good quarterback. Obviously, yes, yes. all these teams had had very good quarterbacks. You got to be very good in the trenches. We've known that, and I think you've got to have an excellent play caller. I mean, the yeah, the, yeah. the play calling in from I thought Sharon Moore called a really good game uh, for Michigan down the stretch when they had to go score. I thought Grubb was fantastic for Washington, and even Sark was really good for Texas until I don't know what the hell they were running. With 15 seconds left on he the 12-yard line. He just decides to get really cute sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. It's an epidemic on play callers. It either works out and he looks like a genius yeah. or you get what you saw for I mean, the last this, four plays of the game. We saw the same stuff happen with Lincoln Riley from time sure. to time. Those now, guys it, that are great play callers, they have so many things at their disposal. Sometimes they just they do overthink a jet, it. They yeah. do a jet sweep with Ro- Ro- Roquan Smith coming at you. It helps, too, that Michael Penix... Has a cannon of an arm, Ooh, but the some of the catches that Rome yeah. made, the final two catches, like the long balls, I don't know what more. I think it was uh, Ryan Watts. Ryan I don't Watts. know what more yep. he could mm-hmm. do. I mean, yep. it was an unbelievable play. And Michigan, Michigan had some skilled players that I mean, I haven't watched them a ton this year, but they had a couple guys that made some. I mean, the, who was the kid that made the big catch down there? I think it was third down, and it set up the game-winning touchdown. Oh, the uh, the one where he leaped. Yes, because if he doesn't catch that, I think he gets it's, picked it's, off. Yeah, it's intercepted. I mean. Roman Wilson, yeah, might have been Roman Wilson. Yeah, I mean it. I don't know. I I do think you you watch it though, and I'm not saying Oklahoma is going to go win a national title, but I don't think they're as far as we always think they are. Like I watched Washington, and I watched. I mean, obviously, oh, you beat Texas, and I think well, they can. I'm not saying they would beat either of those teams again, but I do think that they could compete. 
if they play really well, they got to play a great game and they got to get better on the offensive line. But you look at OU's defense, I think that next year they can be as good as some of those defenses you watched. I have a question for you. Hit me with it. If you go back now and tally up, ask everybody to vote, is Blake Corum the Doug Walker winner over? I mean, I you're gonna. I'm gonna get a lot of shit from this from OSU fans. I thought Ollie Gordon was somewhat overrated at parts he of the season. He had that. He's one a really stretch. good football player. Yeah, that one stretch. Yeah. But the Oklahoma game on, he was just a guy. When he played good defenses, he yeah. was not nearly the guy that everybody thought he was. People are comparing him to Adrian Peterson. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that was a little. That was a little. Eddie's look giving me a look like I'm crazy. I mean, Ollie Gordon was really, agree really good. Agree or disagree, you have that right, Eddie. You can fight with people; it's okay. I mean, I, me and Eddie have had this talk before, and we—I think we are just—we disagree on this. I just think uh, Ollie Gordon. I never said if Ollie you, Gordon was not a really good football player. If you but the way Ollie people Gordon talked about behind him, Michigan's offensive line, what kind of year would he had? I think sure he would be really I, I think good. he's a better running back than Blake Corum. I love Donovan Edwards, and he just yeah, can't Donovan see the Edwards field. is good too. <laughs> Blake Corum's really good, though. He doesn't get the national recognition he deserves i mean i i think that he gets quite he a doesn't get any of the fall the fawning like ollie gordon did, yeah though. but it, ollie gordon was doing that behind a i think we can all that's agree true. not a very good offensive line yeah. yeah if he if ollie gordon was on the michigan football wow that's team, a really good point you should debate more eddie i just i don't have time <laughs> <laughs> he does do it for four hours every morning too that is a fact Taking callers every day? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I also think to Ollie's credit, too, he doesn't have somebody else like a Donovan Edwards that can give him a break. I will say this. Ollie Gordon should be a much better NFL runner than Blake. But Gordon. I don't know if he will because I think he's going to get just run into the ground. Like, I don't know what beat up. I don't know what OSU's going to do next year with... I mean, they have all their offensive line coming back next year. Now, I know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? They're gonna have to, I'm just saying, like, guys that have to run the ball 30 times in college every year typically don't pan sure. out very well in the NFL. And th that's understandable. And you don't see that very often. The run that yeah. Ollie Gordon had when he went 121, 136, 168, 282, 271, 138, pretty incredible. Then he went 164, 166 against Houston and Berm, uh, BYU, 118 in the uh, Texas Bowl. I mean, he... They give him the ball so much, so he's going to go for Just over 1,700 yards, average 6.1 a carry. The guy was incredible. All right. I'm just saying he's not Adrian Peterson. Well, that I don't is think my buddy is. Well, there's a few people out there that have said that. I'm just saying Blake Corum's the reason that Michigan. I agree. He's. I, I don't think I. I did walk away thinking JJ uh, McCarthy is the worst quarterback of the four in the playoff. I don't think that's true. Milrow, really? I like Milrow. I like. I like Milrow. I maybe he, he, he was McCarthy's done a better than Ewers. Ewers did not play that well. No. It, I will say he played well at the end, though, when the, yeah. you know, they came roaring back. I'll say this. I just don't think that Reese – I think Milrow is a much better thrower of the deep ball, and Reese just didn't explore that. And they didn't have time. Well, I mean, part, part of the problem was they sacked. couldn't block. Yeah, left and right, they yeah. couldn't block for him. I think the final uh, play that Alabama had, it was a lot closer to popping than we yeah, probably right? realized. Like, looking back no on it, doubt. immediately I was like, what a dumbass play call. But 
if he just moves out to the left, what? if he pops it out, well, if it's a good snap, he's going to walk That's in. A good snap, if it's a good snap, got the How about Alabama not having field? a center? Yeah. Not having they a guy that can snap the, the ball. Game. That's yeah. incredible to me. And they have a great kicker. Yeah, he's what awesome. What a bizarre Will yeah, turn of events. Will badass. That yeah. guy hit 50-yarder. That, that is another thing that OU, we talk about OU being uh, how true. close they are. Yep. My God, they do not have a kicker like that. But Alabama like has won national championships with terrible kickers. I know, but I'm just saying like, Part of the reason Alabama was even in the game because I thought watching the game I was like Michigan's just the better team. No, they don't. They're not even in. They're not in overtime if not for White. Right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition. It was fun, guys. Enjoyed having all four of us uh, doing the pod. Josh will be back next week uh, after, uh, and he'll be back uh, after his trips to San Antonio as well. So stay the YouTube page. We got a lot of exciting stuff. We. Kind of spent all day yesterday like, okay, who do we want to have on for guests? And we got some exciting people lined up uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. So looking forward to that. Uh, also, Soonerscoop.com, you know that's where we are. Uh, great times to subscribe with uh, Transfer Portal going on, spring football, and, of course, Bobby P. with uh, all of the uh, basketball stuff going on as well. So uh, George will be out there doing some uh, features as well that you will uh, all want to be a part of and, and reading. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was going to say, do you guys have any New Year's resolutions? Stop being an asshole on Twitter. That's mine. That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Three days in. We'll see. (laughs) Uh, Am I the only one that's making resolutions? I just want to be more awesome this year, which is going to be hard. Hard to top. I had a great 2023. Well, good. Glad you enjoyed your 2023. You hired me in 2023. Yeah. It was a good hire. Thank you. So far. So far. All right. Uh, that's going to do it. Uh, we will see you guys back here again next week. We'll, we'll put together another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast right here on Soonerscoop.com.